Hello, and thank you for joining us on Giving Voice to Depression. I'm Bridget. And I'm Terry. More than 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression, but you do not have to have it yourself to be affected by it. Its prevalence pretty much guarantees that someone you care about battles its darkness. This podcast tries to shine some light into that darkness. We're not experts and we're not therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and who are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness. Hi, Terry. Hi, Bridget. Today we have an interesting episode about something that I bet very few of our listeners have heard of, and it is a new technology to help figure out which meds are the right meds for you now. Which is wonderful news. That's a game changer, and there aren't many. (laughs) There aren't many. Depression's a leading cause of disability in the United States, yet only about half of Americans who are diagnosed with it actually receive treatment for it. Now, experts often agree that it's a combination of antidepressant medication and psychotherapy that's the best treatment for severe clinical depression. But we have challenges. Exactly. It's hard to find a good therapist who's right for you and, you know, kind of uses the right words and gets you but doesn't let you get away with stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. a, t- it's a tough thing to find somebody. Mm-hmm. Not to mention it- that it's a tough fit to find, you know, the right med or meds combination that you need. Um, and that can change. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And today we get to speak with one of the researchers here in the U.S. who's working to prove that a finger prick blood test will work for personalizing depression medication prescriptions. That's help. That's potentially help. Big help. When you talk to people about the process of finding the right antidepressant, you frequently hear phrases like shot in the dark, coin flip, or guessing game. Dr. Madhukar Trivedi is working to change that. He's director of the Depression Center at UT Southwestern's Brain Institute. And his own research has proven that up to a third of patients with depression do not improve following their first medication. And around 40% stop treatment within three months. I think the problem our patients run into is the following. Feeling discouraged, feeling uh, uh, doubting of oneself is a common symptom of the, of the disorder. And then you start an antidepressant that doesn't work and people give up. And therefore, in our patients, it is important to see if there is a way to match them with a particular test so that that waiting period uh, is a shorter, but more importantly, people don't feel too discouraged. And the second issue, I think, is that antidepressants, as you mentioned, take several weeks to start showing whether or not it is going to work. And this may help us at least reduce the number of times that this happens so that you feel at least optimistic that this is the right treatment. Optimistic that this is the right treatment? Try downright giddy. Who wouldn't want a simple blood test that would determine which depression medication is most likely to be effective specifically for you? And that's what Trevetti believes could be routine in the future. One of the other issues is that If there is a blood test or some brain test that can be used and can be matched with a treatment, then there is also the comfort, at least for the patient, that they feel like this is sort of, quote-unquote, more real. This is more dependable so that it doesn't feel like it is all uh, a black hole. 
Interesting. So when you say it's more real, do you mean the treatment or the illness? Because I know there are some of us, you know, who are <laughs> get that yeah. question. Yeah, I think that is trickier, but I think most people think that if there is a blood test that can then show you that the treatment is a better match, then they believe both, that the treatment may be right and that maybe this is a real illness. Okay, so now we're going to briefly tackle the actual science of this research for those of you who like or need such details. So I think that, you know, there has been strong evidence that depression may be several different subgroups. And one of the subgroup uh, is likely to be those people for whom depression is associated with an inflammatory process. Could be related to stress, could be related to other factors that associated with this kind of response that is inflammatory in nature. But that has to then translate into something that we can use clinically. And we tried to look at uh, the blood test levels. So it is a called C-reactive protein. It is a protein in the brain, in the blood. And the level of that protein, this is not a new protein. This is a molecule. Uh, this is a protein that people have studied in a lot of medical illnesses like rheumatoid arthritis and a lot of rheumatological diseases, heart disease, diabetes, etc. And what we found interestingly was that for people who have a CRP level less than one, SSRIs are quite effective. For those for whom CRP is more than one, that SSRIs are not effective. This one particular SSRI is not effective, but those people who got bupropion, which is a different mechanism, for them, the response is flipped so that you get a much better response if you have an elevated CRP. (laughs) So you got all that right. Well, since we all know different things, we looked up all those terms so we'd all be clear. SSRIs, or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, are drugs like Zoloft, Prozac, Celexa, and Lexapro. Bupropion, the other medication he mentioned, you might know by its brand names, well, Buterner Zyban. We are going to link to an article about this research, so you can print it out and bring it to your doctor or just review it on your own. This is something that patients should talk to their, their physicians about. My feeling is that guidelines or national recommendations probably will change when we do a larger definitive trial. Mm -hmm. And we are interested and we have proposed such a trial. We do get funded and we do a larger trial. And we can show this again. Because remember, in science, you want to show something more than once for it to be absolutely accepted as standard. Yes, so I think the next study, if we are lucky and we get funded, we will uh, we should be able to get the results in, us in the next two, three years. Wonderful. That still sounds very long to those of us who are uh, struggling. I think that the part of it depends on how strong of an evidence base does the country and the society need. Mm-hmm. So some of it also depends on how vociferous and vocal the patient community is. Well, I will be vociferous and vocal. (laughs) I can assure you of that. I understand. So that's as much as we talked about the research, since it seems it'll still be a while before we can be, what was the word, vociferous Mm -hmm. in our doctor's offices demanding CRP tests. But as long as we had a leading depression researcher on the line, we thought we'd clear up a few things. 
One of the biggest questions asked of us from people who do not experience depression is what's the difference between depression with a little d, hey, I get depressed too, and depression with a capital D that it affects our lives. How do you explain that in layman's terms? All of us can have ups and downs in life. And when you have a down period, you do feel down. But there are two major things. One is even when you are feeling down, if there is some positive thing happening in your life or some positive event, you temporarily or even sometimes immediately get out of that funk and start sort of communicating like you were before. Mm -hmm. If you have a small deed, the sort of bad day, Mm -hmm. if you have depression, it is very hard to do that. Because your ruminative negative thoughts just overtake no matter what the environment is. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is that when somebody has a depressive illness, depressive syndrome, then that negative thoughts, negative feelings is basically is like a cloud hanging over your head, taking over everything you think and feel and do. Mm -hmm. So that it is much more expansive, much more covering the all areas of your life. And it is real. Nobody should question that whether this is real or not. This is a brain disease and the signs and symptoms are clear. And, and when patients have depression, the difference between somebody who is in the middle of depression and when they are bad, better, of thankfully, with the right treatment, that difference is night and day. Uh, I think uh, that that is that is where the people like you and the community of people with depression come in. You have to be very informed consumers and uh, and not let somebody say this is not real. And with that reminder, we said our goodbyes and got an expert endorsement of the importance of working to pull back the curtain on depression. I'm very grateful for the work you're doing. I sincerely hope that you get the next round of tests funded and that this becomes a more common thing and saves us all a whole bunch of steps and frustration. Thank you and uh, keep up the work. I don't I think we can continue to do the research we do, but the but society is only going to change from people like you talking about it. Fascinating, really exciting. I- So there are other tests looking also at biomarkers and their relationship to antidepressants and their effectiveness. Here's a line that I found interesting in uh, an article about the research going on in the UK. Finding biological markers for depression and other mental illnesses has been the holy grail of biological psychiatry. Such a finding and a test to back it up would be critical to advancing our understanding of the biological causes of depression. And critical in... Acknowledging that depression is absolutely real. And And it's nice that he made that clear because it's such a, you know, you say to a scientist, so is what you study all the time real? You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously he had to say yes, but I still just liked it on the record. Oh, yeah. And we're past the point where anybody should be questioning it in theory, but not in reality. Yes, yes, definitely. It's great. I just love it. That could save so much time and so much angst for people. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think the way he ended it is probably the way that we should end it here. And he says, you know, he'll continue to do his research, but it's up to society to keep talking about it. Right. And that's what we're doing here. And quantifying the value of talking about it is something we recently did with our first survey. And we asked two questions and opened it up to the first hundred people who responded from our Facebook community. Um, And the survey said... Does giving voice to depression, its podcast and or Facebook community, make you feel less alone in your depression? 
And of the 100 respondents, 93 or 93% said yes. Seven said no. And does giving voice to depression provide information that helps you better understand or manage your depression? And for that question, we had 95.92, so 96% said yes and 4% no. So it's nice to be able to quantify that just talking has a pretty significant and real effect. And we are very grateful to be a part of it and and very grateful that 100 people in one day responded and and gave us that um, information and validation and motivation. Absolutely. And we'll do more. It was fun. You know, we'll do more of those. We'll do more of those. And thank you so much, Dr. Trivedi. Yeah, taking the time to explain your research. And we look forward to you continuing and and proving what you already believe to be true. And if you need any guinea pigs, you've got my email. <laughs> yeah, her email. <laughs> <laughs> we hope that our podcasts bring about a little more understanding or help people articulate their experience of depression a little more. And thanks to each and every person who's digging deep and finding the words and finding the courage to give voice to depression. And you can find our podcasts on our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, as well as on iTunes, where we hope you will subscribe, rate, and respectfully comment. And please remember, if you're hurting, speak up. If someone else is hurting, listen up.